0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the Evolution Show, This series charting the evolution of Alfredo Morelos at Rangers. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always and joining me is my good friend and colleague, Four Lads Had a Dream Kingpin, Stephen Clifford. Hello Stevie. Hello
1: mate, nice to be back for another episode, looking forward to this one. I think last week we set the scene for Alfredo.
0: Yeah, we did. And thank you to everyone for the really positive uh, feedback on It's always nice to get. Um, we're looking forward to continuing on with that now. Uh, as Stephen said, we took it right up to the summer of 2018, when, of course, uh, the, the whole of, of Rangers was was put on a new and ultimately successful course with the arrival of Stephen Gerrard. And we spoke last week, Stephen Gerrard had earmarked some players at the start that he felt would be key players for him. And one of those was Alfredo Morelos and one of the key things about this that we felt at the time was that uh, of course Michael Beale is a fluent Spanish speaker and Stevie that we felt would be very important because previously Alfredo had really communicated through Daniel Candias who was fluent in English uh, and uh, could speak could speak Spanish as well so this almost sort of removed a barrier and allowed a more direct level of of communication to take place.
1: Yeah, and we were hoping that it would kick him on and by this point we already knew that he was going to be the the, the front man, the, the kind of focal man, the, the the main man, if you like, in in Gerard's um team we he had already obviously we spoke about it last week that he'd been earmarked very early on as, as one and the good thing about this is that um from very early on as as we'll we'll speak about as we sort of chart the season ahead is that I think Alfredo grasped that opportunity, David. I think he took it really well. I think you made a good comment last week which I really liked when talking about Jason Cummings and the fact that Alfredo doesn't play um very well in a two as the focal point man with Michael Beale there, hopefully speaking to him in Spanish and, and all that kind of thing, that he did grasp it and he took it on. And even very early on, it wasn't like we were waiting for Alfredo to kick in. Alfredo seemed to take his game up almost immediately to where it needed to be. It was almost like he had bedded in the first year and this was him. So like you said, with with Beale coming in, we'll never know. I don't I don't think without you know, sitting down and really telling us Alfredo himself because he's he, he doesn't do press stuff, but if he was, he, how much it would really help him and things. But I should imagine, just like um, currently, as as we'll get to in many episode time, I think it will help him and if they can get that sort of repertoire between them. But certainly early on, it looked as if it, he was benefiting from that. And what I liked early, very early is we seen an immediate response. And it wasn't as if, or I certainly didn't feel, David, I don't know about you, but I certainly didn't feel as if there was ever a point where um, even early doors where we thought Alfredo couldn't handle this.
0: No, it's an interesting one, this, because I think that it's a criticism that's been levelled at at Alfie. Now, first things first, um, Alfredo's English is a lot better now. The, than it was then he can communicate you've you've met him Stephen I think speak. it's a lot better than he wants you to know yes I would agree with that as well I think it's a nice uh, uh, a nice thing for him to avoid doing media duties which you know he hates but he can communicate perfectly well uh, with people you, you wouldn't necessarily ask him to direct a light opera um, but in terms of being able to communicate on a day to day basis there's no problem there but it, it did take a while for them to get up to speed there, and it's a criticism that gets levelled a lot, and I feel uncomfortable with. It gets levelled a lot at foreign players when they come to the nation, um, and I'll tell you why I feel uncomfortable with it. I can't speak a foreign language. I'd love to. I've attempted to learn, and I have failed. um It's not easy. I think that it's in the educational circles. It's considered a lot easier to learn a language if you're learning as a child before your mind gets fixed into. The way we communicate in your own language and and by that what i mean is because there are so many different rules you know of grammar and words over here that mean three or four different things and all of the the attendant things it can be hard to get your your head right. and i really admire people who can speak multiple languages so I, i'm not sure i buy into this idea that it's automatic once you live in a country that you will begin to speak the language and again I do think it's something that we don't take into account with Alfredo and a lot of players from similar backgrounds to him they have very little formal education very little so the idea that they will just be able to immediately go into a classroom and pick up English fluently within a year I'm not sure how realistic that is no I would agree with you and what I think is ironic about it all
1: and it's maybe more of a a kind of British mindset or whatever, is that we go everywhere. I know we, I certainly go everywhere and we expect people just to speak English back to us. So it's it's really hypocritical somewhat to be expecting Alfredo to come over here and, and, and pick it up immediately when we don't, for example, go to Spain and try and learn their lingo for our kind of time there. So I said it could be, especially for a young lad as well, we're not talking about, this is something, you know, we we bring up again, but we're not talking about a, a boy that's, you know, well-experienced in life and stuff. He came here as a very young lad and it will take him time. And I've got no doubt maybe as well. And I think this is fair to say, David, perhaps, you know, after the China bid and things like that, maybe Alfredo didn't overly want to commit to learning English because he thought he maybe wasn't going to be here for long. I don't think that's an unfair thing to say, but you never know. His mindset, perhaps he just kind of didn't really... Because I know it took, as you said, it took him a while before he's, he's where he is now. So maybe that was part of it. But I don't think on a football pitch you need to be completely um, down with, with everybody else's chat, etc. As long as you know exactly what they're saying to you, or, or more or less what they're saying to you, I think it's fine. But there's a few things to consider. It's not it's not something I overly get precious about and and worry about. You know as long as he's putting things in the net then it doesn't really bother me you know
0: yeah i i think it's something that, that probably is in my head because uh just just this week as we record folks i saw uh, online criticism of marcello bielsa um for being at leeds and still using an interpreter and again bielsa's english is better than you might assume by that um but he prefers to do that because his ideas are quite complicated and he feels he wouldn't be able to get them across as well um, and it is this, this sort of idea that well, you should learn. And you probably, you know, you should. I get that. And people say, well, if I was going to move to another country um, where I didn't speak the language, I would I would learn the language. And again, that is true. But I think it is different. Football is such a transient business. You are realistically as a player. Alfie's already played in Finland and in, in Scotland in his young career, you know, a young Colombian. And could have been playing in other places a couple of times as you know you mentioned China already. I think it's such a transient business. Uh that it it's maybe not if you and I were to go and work in an office, for example, Stephen, then yeah we probably got well, no problem about it, we'd need to learn the language And we would maybe not make that decision to move in the first place. But it's not such a realistic thing for a young footballer to say that. I'd love to think if I got an offer to do a podcast in Italy tomorrow, I could go and be fluent in the language within a year. I'm not sure I could. And I think, you know, I'm a relatively clever guy, you know, I've been educated to master's level, but I'm not convinced I could do it because I think my brain struggles to because it's so conditioned by the English language. Anyway, it's just a wee thing that, that popped out of my head. But as Stevie said, I do think his English is as good as he wants you to... Be, uh, better than he wants you to believe that it is. So this season would be very successful for Alfie. Um, 30 goals, 18 in the league, 4 in Europe and 4 in the two cups. Um, A 30-goal season for a striker, Stevie, I think we would always consider a successful one, no?
1: Yeah, we certainly would. And his numbers and his stats are very good. But it's one that we'll look back on, I think, without without even sounding harsh, as as we'll cover and get to Alfie Mist football. And he also was very patchy in his form, as, as we will find and as we kind of cover. He's very much, and again, this is something that came up last week, he's very much a confidence and a purple patch kind of player. So his numbers were great, but I always feel... And I wouldn't bank against Alfie hitting 30 this year either, incidentally. But I always feel with well, Alfredo is that he's got more in the locker. And this season, I think, again, was another step from last year. But his stats were, were certainly good, David. It's the other side of the stats that are that are pretty big uh, in terms of his discipline, which played a huge part in this season and, and very early on. But, as you said, with his goals, it, his first one of the season... Been Osijek away, which was a, a really vital and a really nice goal as well. So that was well, the that was a
0: glancing low header.
1: Yeah, uh, if I remember rightly, a short corner out to Tav, who instead of taking the corner was was out at the corner of the box, and then he changed the angle and bent it away, and Alfredo just stooped to steer it in. Really nice goal, really big goal in terms of because should, of that, yeah. yeah, at that point I wasn't sure if we could get past them. Croatian side just having started etc. But. He leads the line very well, scores a really early goal, and that just seemed to to spark him and, and kick him off. That was, you know, the end of July for us, so we were still another kind of two weeks away from the season starting. But um a vital I think we've covered before in saying that it was a good way for Gerard to start and get going. It was certainly a good way for Alfredo to kick off the season also.
0: Now the start of the season could best be described as a mixed bag there are some very very good things important goals um as as Stephen says but it is merged with red cards um and we can debate and we will just about to debate the fairness one of them was rescinded the first one comes in the first league match away to Aberdeen where there's an off the ball incident uh the referee claims to have spotted it And orders Alfredo off very early in the first half. And Rangers actually go on and uh, look as though we're going to get a victory there. But uh, a last-minute goal undoes us. That one was appealed. And Stephen, our professionally trained referee, can you tell us why he was sent off? Should he have been sent off and should it have been rescinded? Uh,
1: Should he have been sent off? No. Why he got sent off? Yes, I agree with in terms of what they thought they saw, but it definitely should have been rescinded. The law changed several years ago in terms of an intent and um, excessive force, is is where you are. It's all to do with petulance levels and stuff like that. And what they wanted to avoid is that that most often footballers there is there's how do we there's wee scuffles, David, in terms of you know sometimes you coming, get coming coming together. Yes, exactly that. So sometimes you get wee pushes and wee shoves and everything, and there was no, there was no leeway in terms of how you wanted to deal with it. So if two players had kind of had a wee scuffle, et cetera, they were both gone off, and you couldn't, you couldn't even legislate for it being different. What Alfredo done was petulantly and lazily left a leg in, and we'll come to this later in the season because he does it again, but on this one. The assistant told Clancy at the time to put him off, which he then went over, spoke to him and and did. It was rescinded because, yes, he did petulantly kind of kick him, but it wasn't excessive force, which meant it should only ever have been a yellow card. Now, this season, so far, there's been a very high-profile case of this, and it was Livingston sending off at Celtic Park when Kyogo got clipped in the head. And subsequently, correctly, they were given a penalty which they missed. And he was sent off. Now, it was Bobby Madden and the the lad that runs the line, I actually know, and he works um, with her, with myself. So he said that Bobby actually got marked down for that because it wasn't excessive force. And they're big on that. So back to the Alfredo thing, correct decision in terms of what he thought he saw In terms of if he thinks he saw a a really kick But didn't help us at the time Because it turned out it wasn't It should have been only a yellow It was correctly rescinded Doesn't help Alfredo 12 minutes in He's off the park But it was a really poor performance that day David A number of things went wrong Rangers got a penalty kick Josh Windass was about to shoot into an open goal And pull back He was the, the person that pulled him back for Aberdeen He was only cautioned Which is a straight red card It was a goal scoring opportunity the goalkeeper was out of the equation, so there was a couple of guys on the line, but it's a goal-scoring opportunity, and because it's a pull of the shirt, he should go automatically. So it was a very awkward um kind of start for Alfredo, and a difficult start for us um, in terms of refereeing, certainly for Alfredo, which we'll, we'll see coming on. But sadly for Alfredo... um that was it. You know, 12 minutes, first opening game of the season and we're a man down, so not a great start at all.
0: He would get goal against uh, Maribor, which was a a big win for Rangers uh, at that time and that set us up to go and take on Ufa. Now, this was the first of the times I used the phrase, that's me done with them." Now, this one went away quite quickly. It was probably over by the end of that night. Uh, But During the game, that was the first time I did it. He picks up a booking and then a couple of minutes later, picks up another one after half an hour. We're a goal up. We're 2-0 up on aggregate. We're in a really good spot. We've got the away goal, for it was a thing at that point. And they need to score three to get back into it. Keep the head, keep it tight. Now, it appeared to be for descent, and I do think this ref was a little bit card happy uh to as you will get in europe Stephen, but especially for somebody who's just been sent off unfairly or not a couple of weeks ago it was wild and it wasn't the only thing because in the second half flanagan makes a silly challenge again like a harsh red card but even so i could see the justification for it and it it's just decision making isn't
1: it yeah it was very frustrating that night um in Ufa because it's such a massive game for us in terms of finances and and where we were at the time because it just seemed like if we had managed to get through that it was such a milestone under Gerard So for him, my memory is that he got booked for a a trip or something stupid and he immediately got a second caution for descent straight after it. I'm not sure if he threw the ball down or what it was but he, he went immediately straight away after it. The referee, I would agree with, um, particularly, he, he was over-officious, is how I would put it. Yeah, he was. Very, very card-happy. But
0: you do get that in Europe. You know, you, yeah, do. And, you get and, it in Scotland, but you get it particularly in Europe. Uh, and you've got to read the referee, I think, early and be aware of it, particularly the situation that you're in. You're 2-0 up. You've got the way go. They need three. There's an hour to play. Keep the head.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure this was the first occasion where I would have said... Right, you know, I've had enough of this But it was certainly one of the first times I said That he's a He's a time bomb So to speak Because very early on in that season He was playing right on the edge I think that's fair And I think that was a lot to do with the team At the time Because he wasn't the only one If you remember Straight away um, Aberdeen went down to 10 But then the following weeks at Mirren Ross McCrory went off, etc So we were at that point getting a, a fair few red cards and, and Alfie was... I think we were told to play on the edge and not be pushovers, but I think saying that to Alfredo, perhaps not the <laughs> the the best move. But Ufa was a very low point in terms of... It's... You know, Aberdeen was disappointing, but if you take that and if, if it was an isolated event and you take it and he, and he's learned from it, fine... But only a couple of weeks later in such a massive vital game to potentially throw the team under the bus again is where, you know, a lot of people's patience would have would have been kinda of wearing thin. Fortunately for Alfredo, somehow we got we got through nine men. It was quite a unbelievable achievement, really. Um so it wasn't fixated on, if that makes sense, David.
0: No, absolutely. And, I and think- he got
1: he got he got away with it, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the punish. Uh, oh, sorry, the ire of the support would have been far because I remember that night there was a lot of celebrations and I know that, that some people at times said, well, it's just qualifying for the Europa League. Yet, yeah, uh, now the celebrations, I mean, look at this season because obviously we wanted to get into the Champions League when we got into the Europa League. People were about, mm, well, fine, that's the base. And that's true. And it that's, you know, an understandable attitude. But back then, brand new team put together really six weeks before, The money that it opened up to, it it was a huge achievement and everybody was over the moon with the result. And you're right, um, the debate then, the edge comes off it because everybody's in a good mood. And we had to prepare for a trip to Parkhead about, what, 36 hours later. So there wasn't the time really to, you know, to focus in on that. And typical Alfie, he then starts to, he then, starts to show why we do love him. Because he goes on a fantastic scoring run, seven games in a row, including a hat-trick at Kilmarnock in the League Cup. Um, and he actually should have had another one that day, should he not, for a ball that was quite clearly over the line? No, I think you're right about it being Alfredo, and
1: I think that was before. This, again, David, was was perfectly... I don't want to deviate away from Alfredo's story, but if you remember, going back to the start of the season when, when Gerard actually took over, which I think why all this stuff about officiating is, is laughable. But Rangers were on the end of several really dodgy decisions. That one that day, Alfredo was clearly over the line, but he managed to, to score a really impressive hat-trick. Um, I think right foot, left foot, header, if I remember rightly. I know that he he definitely scored a header in the last one he put in with his left foot after it was put across the face of goal. So I think that might have been a perfect hat-trick as well for Alfredo. But... As you said, this was him in his prime, and and from the goals on that run, you look at the one against Hearts. So that was the one where Candice wins it, and he flicks it, kind of, you know, not between his legs, but almost like a, um, like when the ball goes past you and you flick your behind leg round, and it loops right into the net. That was a really oh, great a,
0: finish. Uh, that was a stunning finish. It was yeah, really where I sat at Ibrox as well, because it was down at the the Copeland. Yeah, we had, we we started really quickly. It that day. was a tremendous finish. He just uh, we were three up after about half an hour, I think, and uh, yep. Yep. yeah, just an absolutely terrific finish from him. And he was flying and and he was enjoying it was, his football. Yeah. You could see it. He was slim. Um, he was such an important player. But again, uh, and we don't want to focus too much on referees, but the next the next thing we we have to mention because it's it's a part of the the story. Although I think it leads more to a criticism of Gerard and Alfredo. He gets a booking against Kilmarnock and he then gets selected to play against Air United in the next round uh, in the quarterfinal, uh, and plays well, Rangers. Ease to a, a victory for nil, absolutely no issues. there. are good performance, but Alfredo picks up a booking. Now, a range of striking options at that time were Kyle Lafferty, who was cup tied, and uh, uh, Umar Sadiq, who hadn't had very, or, you know, barely any first team action uh, since the season had started. Um, and Alfredo gets booked, and that will rule him out. Two yellow cards out of the semi final. Now. players we've seen this before Gaza I think is an example of this that you look at the amount of yellow cards they get and you think my goodness uh, what a dirty player and then you realise well hang on a minute here it's a case that referees are now looking, not looking to book him but assuming that he'll do something that will lead to booking, it's a slightly different mindset, it's not I am going to book him, it's more a case of oh I, there's him up to his old tricks again and it's part of what we discussed last week about reputation uh, and I think during this period, his reputation, I think it still does to a degree, but I think that back then his, his reputation was going before him. He was getting booked for things that other players were getting away with and that I would die on that hill.
1: Yeah, and I would agree. And if you remember that night, it was also for dissent. It was um, shooting down at the, the Brumont end. There was a, a decision made and one of their players were getting treatment. And he then, for some reason, became involved in I don't know if he was telling him to get up or whatever he was doing, if memory serves me right. It was something like that, but he was then booked for dissent. The referee spoke to him and he does the very thing that he does all the time. And I don't think he means anything by it, but he kind of just puts his arm up and, and dismisses him as if, you know, go away, fine. And he drops away. He done that, called back, cautioned straight away. And at that point, you know, we're looking at Alfredo sitting there at on seven yellows and 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 two reds more or less by the time we we get to his next incident and that's far too high for three four months in the season but you're right Alfredo it's worth saying and it's worth really pointing out and I I, like you just said I'll, I'll steal that phrase I'll die on this hill I don't remember Alfredo ever making a dirty challenge ever David and I know he's been petulant We'll come to it, there's games, you know, particularly Celtic game coming up, that we'll cover that he's petulant and he's dirty and he has wee fly moments, etc. But this isn't a guy who is an animal, who who goes sets out to injure players or, or puts in poor TSS tackles. He doesn't do that, he's not that type of player. This period that he was going through right now, I think unfortunately as soon as he looked at a referee or he looked at an official, as soon as he done his mannerisms or said whatever, he was getting cautioned for it. And the more it happened, I think the more that he perhaps rebelled a wee bit against it. And I, I think, think the so. more that the referees punished him were harder. So it was like two buffalos, if you like, going head to head. And I think that's changed somewhat as as we'll cover and we'll get to. But I think he's changed it as well. There was definite improvements and different signs. But at this point, I think it was you know two two forces. heads and nobody was going to win
0: yeah I think that it was a if you like one of these situations that are a spiral really which is Alfie does something that he sees someone else do um and he sees the other guy get a talking to and he sees a yellow card waved at him and then it begins to feel unfair so he's wound up more he reacts because of that and he picks up more bookings, and, and you're locked in this cycle. Uh, and I do have a bit of sympathy for him. Now, unfortunately, the only way you can combat that is to accept that it's unfair, which is a lot easier when you're older. You know, you realise the world isn't fair. But when you're younger, you're just going, well, how, how am I getting booked and he isn't? And, of course, you then complain to the referee about it, and the referee books you. And it's it can just go on. And I do think, yeah, look, there are Plenty of times, and we've already done it on this show and we'll continue to do it, there were plenty of times that Alfredo Morelos was in the wrong. And when he was, we'll criticise him for it. But I do also think referees were going out with the idea that at some point they would probably have to book Alfredo Morelos or, oh, it's him again, he's doing that. And also then, because of the attention that's on it, we spoke about this before, that referees are aware that any incident with Alfredo is going to be analysed to the nth degree, you know, it's going to be multiple replays, it's going to be all over the TV, it's going to be in the papers for days. And the quickest and easiest way to avoid that or to avoid criticism is to deal with it straight away by, well, look, I did book him. you know, I did send them off. So what more could I do? And it just created this this noise around him. But the goals continued to go. We won't dwell on the semi-final. We all know what happened. Mar Sadiq uh, and his decision to, to round the keeper dive instead of tapping it into the empty net. So Gerard was asked if he had any regrets that day. And he said, yeah, I regret playing Alfie in the quarters. And it was his mistake. Because certainly he should have been aware of it. As soon as the game was won, he should have taken him off. But um, he was a young manager. And young managers make errors uh, and that was most certainly one of them but Alfie continued to show up well particularly I think in the Europa League where we began to see that rampaging Buffalo that we he came alive on European nights uh, he's not the first person to do that but his performances I'm not even talking about goals here so much Stevie it's just his ability to stand with his back to goal and offer Rangers an outbowl. In his time at, at at Rangers, we've had so much European success, relatively. And I don't think that's coincidence. I think it's because you know, you and I grew up in the nineties and we watched Rangers, great Rangers teams, but when the when we lost the ball we didn't get it back for a quarter of an hour, you know. <laughs> um Alfie provided an outbowl which allowed the midfield to push up, which allowed the defence to push up, which allowed us to to just have that option and not be constantly pressed and harried, which you need because no side can concentrate, you know, not rarely, 90 minutes against top quality opposition without offering up chances. And as as strange as it may sound, the ability to just knock the ball up to somebody who can get in front of the defender get the ball with his back to goal and then either release Kent, who's a great ball carrier Candace was the same, particularly in Europe uh, and or win a free kick, is enormous and Alfie has been absolutely terrific at that, I think, at his best in his time at Rangers.
1: Yeah, absolutely um, he would get if I remember rightly, two at home to Vienna, was it? Yeah. And um, the, the 3-1 win, the, the first one being the, the immediate equaliser, which was kind of drilled over um the face of goal and he turns it in and then the the second being Candace check it, uh, chasing it down and, and kind of heels it to him and he makes that run he was never going to pass it to Andy Halliday who had made the, the run next to him as well but he finished it really well <clears throat> excuse me um, one thing I wanted to slightly deviate and I'll go back to David after kind of talking about Europe is that what, what was going on media wise which is important but I'll in terms of the European thing, you're absolutely right. And what happened is that this was not only a a springboard for the team in Europe, but it was a springboard for Alfredo. I think that that run, David, gave him belief in terms of how good he actually could be, because we will see, particularly in the group stages afterwards against the lights of Porto in next season, is that Alfredo realised that, he had the capabilities, I think, of really taking his game to higher levels where he was bossing that stage for us. And, you know, when it came about, you know, stat-wise and everything else, Alfredo's top of all these leagues for for stats and everything else. But I think that this first one, David, gave him the confidence to really start. Because once he realised that he could, you know, not bully, but... Occupy, I think is the best way The best description I think for Alfredo He could occupy these defenders And occupy these Centre half so much that It allowed Rangers to, to get up the park And win free kicks and things like you said But that group stage <coughs> Obviously Villarreal We'd we done well against them a couple of times And CSK Moscow and, and things like that We'd we done with it for an outing it was, it was a good one and he actually If memory, again Serving me right that game out in Moscow, David. We actually should have won. Oh, we
0: should have won. We had a defensive calamity that night, yeah, but, but we
1: attacking-wise, we were great. He scored. Then he scored the fourth, yep. which was chopped off, and it should have counted. Absolutely, he was have playing. Been. He was playing right on the edge, and that was on good, side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and but that was a good thing about him. He was playing. This is what I trying to say about occupying defenders. He, I think that how I'm trying. What I'm trying to explain is that not that he didn't believe that he could be that good. But I think once he sampled it in that season, I think he realised that I can really up my game and, and turn it on and, and have success at that level. So in terms of a learning curve, that European game was 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 really big. But, or oh, that European run, sorry. But one of the things I was wanting to say, David, going back, and, and this is important coming up, obviously there's a slight bit to cover, but in terms of that run when he scored a lot of goals, I don't know if you remember... One of the goals he scored at St Mirren right at the end was one that we had um, spoke about before. He, he wins it in a kind of tighter angle and bullets it across. He then celebrated and he got hit by a barrage of coins. The reporting after it was that it was Alfredo's fault for celebrating in front of St Mirren fans, when in reality he'd done his trademark knee slide, turned to the Rangers fans, but during the knee slide he was getting pelted. He was then pulled up by the referee. He wasn't cautioned at the time, but something that happens in a couple of games reflects exactly how Alfredo was getting treated and not only by the officials, but the newspapers as well. And that the, the narrative behind Alfredo at that point was that everything that he'd done was his... You know, everything that happened to him was his fault. There was no middle ground. There was no saying, well, look, he could learn, but... You know, we as, a, what I'm to say is we as a support have always kind of said, you know, we think it's unfair. However, Alfredo needs to learn. It's not been a case of victimisation or anything else. But there's everybody else, when reporting on Alfredo, has been borderline xenophobic and things we spoke about last week. This was still ongoing at this point. Even though Gerard was speaking up for him, it began to kind of dwindle. But if you remember that St Mirren game and that celebration, it's really pivotal in terms of cautions because as will come that St Johnston game just before Christmas he gets cautioned for celebrating the winner again for the exact same scenario but being nowhere near those fans so things that he was doing you're totally right in saying he was seeing other people doing but getting nothing but he was getting picked on all the time
0: Yeah and I think that that's an interesting thing because he has had a lot of I was going to say stuff thrown at him but literally stuff thrown at him and to me, it's been greenlit by the media in this country where well, they've told fans it's uh, okay yeah. to hate him. Um, you're right to hate him and it is his fault. And then you can't be surprised when people begin to treat him like he's less than anybody else and that he's not deserving of the same respect laws. I mean, it. look, it's just the most straightforward thing in the world, I think, to say at football. I don't give a toss if a player runs over to you, pulls his shorts down and bears his arse to you, and it's at a Braveheart-style celebration, um, you don't throw a coin at him. You just don't. It's just not on. It's not acceptable. Um, you, you know, you have to trust the authorities deal with, with the players doing it, but you're absolutely correct in saying that Alfredo was, was getting it for doing things that, that other players could do with impunity. And again, you know, it's, we're aware that we're going to compare, but let's compare it to someone like Lee Griffiths where there was always someone else's fault and the press would make his case for him. It was always due to somebody else. Can you imagine the furore if Alfie had kicked a lit flare back into a crowd of people? Can you imagine that? Yeah. It would have never been off the front pages, the newspapers. It would have been on TV. There'd be questions in the Scottish Parliament about it. There'd be one of them deported. It's the difference between, well, he's a Scottish guy and therefore will give him a lot more leeway. Um, And you see it, you see it all over, but there's no doubt in my mind that Alfredo was being held to a different standard to other players. Again, with the caveat of he should have been sensible enough to realise that he was being held to a different standard. But that's easy for me to say, and I get that, because it's difficult to accept when it's happening to you. When, as you say... You watch player X run over and celebrate in front of the fans. Nothing said. You watch he he goes and does exactly the same thing, and the ref belts over with a yellow card. That you're going to feel that like you're being victimized, and especially as a young man, it's going to get to you. And I think at times it did. And of course, after you know a lot of praise for the way he was playing, the variety of his goals, the the range of his striking play, there was always ups and downs that that season felt like it. The next one would come in December when Aberdeen visited Ibrox and Rangers had real problems with Aberdeen that first season under Stephen Gerrard um, where we couldn't break them down. A, a struggle that we had against many teams, teams who played a low block against as we did, often struggled to get in behind and Aberdeen would do that. Rangers with a, a poor performance would lose at home to Aberdeen. Uh, there would be red cards. Alfredo received one of them, Stephen, and it was becoming a bit of a thing against Aberdeen. Now the first one got rescinded, but even so it, it was a towsy game. And again, you know, I'm not sure Gerard helped because he was <sighs> he he bought into the fact it was a battle and he would speak about it. And I think that sometimes our players went out a bit too a bit too ready for that and not thinking, Yeah, but we're much better than them at football, let's knock the ball about and beat them.
1: Yeah, um, if you remember rightly, um the big Aberdeen striker, and the name oh, slips my me Cosgrove, that's, that's Cosgrove. it. He went off early, so he got a second ye- He got two yellow cards quite quickly into the game. The second one being for a kind of late challenge on Goldson, a kind of high high challenged out as Goldson went to clear it. Now, if you actually watch the game back, Alfredo's cautions are ridiculous. The first one, he's kind of battling, and it's a wee kind of shove. At most, a free kick. It doesn't merit a caution, but over goes the official storming over the yellow card, waving it right at him. And he just, it's the reaction of Alfredo is just, you know, he looks, what's the word? He looks dispirited. He looks completely fed up. The second one um, caution comes, if you remember, it was a kind of a, a tussle with shinny and he, he's kind of trying to block shinny off and he slightly grazes his face slightly it's not even his face the way he goes down their actions absolutely awful but what they did was and i think they commented on it afterwards that they just tried to wind him up and it, and he bit to it but again this goes back to what i was saying about the things that he was getting cautioned for it's not like he's two footing people these were like you know he's getting booked for fouls that are just absolutely nothing and others that are getting away with and he's just by this point he's just frustrated and you can see it it's, so that's that's having an effect on him but again Rangers would lose that night questions get asked again over Alfredo and his discipline and where he is and obviously we missed a lot of chances that night as well Lewis made a, a couple of really good saves um, Lafferty and, and Ryan Jack came really close I remember but it's one of those ones where you know, a big game, big result at that point. And I think we lost the, the lead that night, slipped off the top of the table. So, all in all, not a good night for Alfredo. But it's easier now to reflect on it. But there was no doubt, if you go back, David, and look at those cautions, they were so weak, so poor. And I think that was a vicious cycle that Alfredo was stuck in. He was getting officiated to a standard that nobody else was. He was getting reported on to a standard that nobody else was that was encouraging this bad boy image this this kind of image that we need to get him out of our game when what they should have been looking at was a young lad in, in Scotland that we'd picked up for you know, next a million pounds that had just been capped for Colombia which he just had been against Venezuela so it was all there and we had this young superstar and instead of bigging him up which he would have got if he'd played for other clubs because of where he was, the negative impact was beginning to show, I think. And it must have been a lot for him to deal with. You know, we'll talk about it a lot in terms of you know his bounce-back ability, but Alfredo's got that in spades and he's demonstrated it time and time again. But even here, I think this was a really difficult period for him in terms of trying to get past. And he had to change, which I think he has and we'll cover. But I also think they had to change towards him So this was a really difficult period. And as I said, anybody listening, go back and look at that night and look at the standard of cautions against Alfredo. I'm not saying he's completely innocent, but what I'm saying is other players aren't getting cautioned for what he did there, and it's extremely weak. And I just think that this is where we are. And the things we've said already, David, I don't want to repeat it, but what I'm trying to get is that it's just backing up what we're trying to say in terms of where Alfredo was at that point.
0: I'd like to make a point just now for anyone who listens to Stevie on Heart and Hand or reads his blog, Stevie doesn't criticise referees for a laugh. Stevie doesn't get tore into them. And because he's done the job himself and does it regularly, you know, still two games a weekend, sometimes two games a day, sometimes um, will understandably say, well, okay, I'll try and look at it from the referee's point of view. And that's why when you say stuff like that, I think it carries more weight than when I say stuff like that as a layman, because I know, I mean, I, I I'm a you know a football fan with the blue goggles on I'll say ah that referee you know he's a this or that and the other or hey, couldn't he couldn't wait to get the red card out whereas you will tend to sit down and go well okay but actually if you look at it this is why he's made the decision this is what he's seen this is where he's coming from and I do think it gives bigger insights so I think that you know, anyone who's listening to this and thinking, well, that's just Rangers fans who've got it in for referees, I can categorically say, in my case it's true, in his case it really isn't. Stevie will try to give the benefit of the doubt and he will try to view it from what the referee was doing and, and doesn't come at it well. oh, they're all cheats, you know, you come at it at a completely different angle. So therefore, when you're saying stuff like that, I believe that to be a wee bit more valid. Yeah,
1: I think it was Stephen McLean that night. Um, as I say, I was just asking anybody to go and look at it and then We're not trying to paint a picture of Alfredo being completely innocent. That's not the case. But what we're trying to say is, at that point in his Rangers career, he was getting the rough end of the stick. And I think that's perfectly fair. I don't think he helped. But looking back on it now, I can see why he must have been so fed up. At that point to that night, When he got sent off against Aberdeen, that would be his third red of the season. He got something like seven or eight yellow cards as well, David. He must have been thinking at that point, you know, I've had enough of this. And you can't really blame him. Some of the things that he was getting picked on and picked up for were extremely frustrating, not only for, for us, but definitely for him. But again, he would sit out and then bounce back quite quickly.
0: Yeah, I think for for Rangers fans who'd been about in the nineties, we could see parallels with Gaza. Now I'm not saying Alfredo's good a player as Gaza. Don't be silly. And completely different types of players, but it was that thing of you know the, he he nothing he gets away with nothing, and in fact that uh, he's under a microscope constantly on the park, and it, uh, and it did begin to feel that. And if it felt like that to us as fans, then it's going to feel like that to him as a player. Alfie would save Christmas with two goals, including a last minute winner, away to St Johnston. Uh, he got one against Hibbs, but unfortunately we couldn't hold out for the win. But then came an enormous victory for Rangers against uh, Celtic. Um, you'll, you'll remember the game, folks, December 2018. Ryan Jack got the winner. Uh, a terrific performance from Angels that day. Scott Arfield's drop ball, I think, a significant moment in that it. it, it I think for the first time in a long time, it said to Celtic, "Nope, <laughs> you don't get to come here and dominate us. This is our pitch, and we are the team that set the tone on this occasion." Um, and Alfie was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. He battled the Celtic defence, but I think again, after we've just had our we wee discussion there. I think we we need to try and be balanced, or well, you do. I, I, you know, I don't. But <laughs> that's right. We've got both of us on the show. But um, yeah, he could have seen red in this match. I think it's fair yeah, to He should have be.
1: seen red. He should have seen red. Not a straight red, but there was three. If I remember rightly, um, he had one with Scott Brown, where he kicked Scott Brown clear between the legs. He had one where he is,
0: is that a yellow card under the rules? Because I'm pretty sure uh, it says in the IFAB rules that um, a player should be sent uh, sent off a book for kicking the opposition clear between the legs. Asterisk, unless it's Scott Brown. I'm pretty sure it says that.
1: It certainly does in John Beaton's one, which thankfully, thankfully for us um, was the way it was, but you, you could argue again that that was petulant and I think it was. It, it wasn't excessive force, but this is where, you know... You can't go
0: around kicking people in the nuts. No,
1: no, but I don't think, like, you could argue that the way he'd done it, you know, if you hadn't seen it, what I'm trying to get at is it's not like he's wellied him. No, it sounds so, worse than it is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. he does. Then then he grabs Callum McGregor, um, and the, or sorry, Ryan Christie, I think it was, in the testicles, because Ryan Christie would do it to him and subsequently get a ban, in the the game the following year after the the 2-1 victory at um, Parkhead. So then the third one being when he stood on Ralston, which has become a a rather funny meme. But I think there was an accumulative performance that day in terms of he he probably could have been right on the cusp of being sent off. If we're being fair and if we're looking at it fairly. He probably wouldn't have. He probably should have been sent off. But what was remarkable, David, you know, in in a weird way, is that he, he wasn't even cautioned that day. So he went from, <clears throat> excuse me, he went from St Johnston where he scored the winner, celebrating with a with a knee slide, to getting cautioned for that, to the absolute opposite end of the scale where a caution would probably have calmed him down. And he, he didn't even get cautioned for some of the things. And what was even more remarkable was that they took no further action. So he definitely got away with it that day. But his performance was huge on the day. Really dominated the Celtic defence again. It was very much a European performance from Alfredo. Played a big part in the victory. Um, you'll remember that day as well. He was the one that was holding it down the corner when they did win. And the full-time whistle went. And it clearly meant a lot to him. Also Alfredo's first victory in that, in that game. So it's a big thing for him because he had came through the, the, the season before where, you know, the 4-0, the 5-0 games and everything else where he had been mocked largely. So this is what I like about him as well. You know, Ryan Kent kind of gets into that category and stuff as well that he clearly doesn't like them, which is a great thing because we want them all to, to represent us and feel how we feel, etc., etc. And we know that he does. But he definitely, David, I think it's <laughs> definitely fair to say that he he was right on the borderline that day. And if we're being fair and, and looking at it from a referee point of view, he definitely should have picked up a couple of cards that day.
0: Now, I think the theme of this this show today, folks, is brilliance mixed with discipline. That uh, And that really was the story of his season. And I think that's why thematically we've chosen to, to go this way. Uh, and it was summed up... <coughs> perfectly, beautifully on a wild night at Petondre. Rangers would win the match 4-2. It was a classic. It was an epic game of football. It really was. The two teams who up to that point had played, you know, and Aberdeen had the upper hand, no doubts about that. But the two teams had played sort of kind of agricultural, defensive. Uh, Aberdeen set defending Rangers, trying to break them down failing to and lapsing into just knocking the ball side to side and Aberdeen hitting on the break they weren't classic games of football for the neutral this was this was they just both went swinging at each other and Alfredo was magnificent he scored what would be Rangers goal of the season Uh, I think Ryan Jack won the, the vote for obvious reasons but I think that in terms of what was awarded this one got it because it was an absolute peach this is a high level technical finish where with a lot to do and not much time and space to do it he picks out the perfect finish and coolly and calmly passes it beyond the goalkeeper into the net at the end of a flowing move a truly stunning top level finish from a guy that we said last week maybe not a natural finisher but there are times when the confidence is up and the goals are flowing Porto the following year is a wonderful example as well that you could you wouldn't know that by looking at them. this was uh, sorry to, to to maybe use a pretentious word, but it was exquisite
1: yeah um actually an all-round really nice team move um the first one obviously I think Ryan Kent has a has a shot which has come out an instinctive finish but the second one Is and I think David, this is um, it's came up actually in in a kind of quiz question about Alfredo scoring outside the box. I think this might be one of the only time he's actually done it. Um, really nice move, Ryan Jack and Ryan Kent combine. He takes a lovely touch and then places it, he just rolls it. It's actually like you said, an exquisite finish with his left foot. And you know, the Rangers going 3 1 up at half time and and bossing it and, and looking good, and then we fall into the old pattern.
0: There's an incident out on the Aberdeen touchline in the second half between him and and Scott McKenna, who, again, picked up his fair share of red cards in these matches. But um, they're they're tussling for the ball. McKenna goes down. Alfie kind of leaves his foot in, and McKenna kicks up and out at him. The referee runs over, uh, sends Alfie off for the initial foot in and he sends McKenna off for the kick up any complaints?
1: No um, I probably complained about it at the time because it happened right in front of me, I was actually at that game um, very good trip, always a good trip up there but when you see it again he, he I don't know if he how do I explain this it's, it's endangering an opponent which is, I, I don't think there's much force in it which is, you'll say to me, well, what about excessive force? But it's slightly I, different I was, in terms of... I was
0: going to ask you, if McKenna doesn't kick up, does he send off Alfie? Because I think the ref just comes up and goes, it was one of them <coughs> six and half a dozen incidents, they both get the same punishment.
1: I I, I think he probably doesn't, but um, I think that... I think that decides it. Yeah, definitely. I think McKenna's action definitely confirms it. But in, in terms of Alfredo, I think that because of his studs and where he kind of presses down and, and stands on him more or less, I try to describe it. It's not a stamp. It's not excessive force. But it's endangering an opponent because he stands fully on him intentionally. I think that's why he's he's, he's given. It. It's naughty, which is is why McKenna then kicks up towards him, but. Yeah, um, it's, it's a difficult one because he seemed to relish the the obvious duels and and stuff like that with with players, but we've seen this before. David, like instead of again, we were brought up with Mark Haley. so when Mark Haley was in a in a duel like that, he would run them ragged and boss them, but very very little did he ever cross the line, whereas Alfredo when he gets in a, a situation like that, certainly at that point he would take it too far in terms of, not only was it a battle to win the game, but it was a battle to, to beat his opponent as well by any means, so I just think that he was getting slightly too caught up on it. and I think of... he was
0: getting sucked into it and I think it's... Like right, that's Aberdeen what I'm trying to get with like, Yeah, yeah. I, I think Aberdeen fooled us uh, a lot that season by making the game a battle and dragging us into it. And clearly when you're a superior football team, a battle doesn't suit you as much as it suits the opposition, because what they're wanting to do is reduce it to a very base level. And I think Rangers did that not only against against them, but against Kilmarnock that season. I think that Rangers allowed themselves to be brought down to the opposition's playing style and suffered as a consequence.
1: Yeah, I think that's all fair, um, and I just think as well that the things that we had spoken about in terms of Alfredo feeling like I feeling like he he was getting you know dispirited. That's the word I'm looking for. That you know he was getting cautions and getting kind of not picked on, but he maybe felt like that himself, and then it became easier for him. To, to not be as concentrated and lose his temper on the pitch. Whereas, I, I don't think, if you put Alfredo in the same position, I don't think he would get caught in that as easily as he, as he would then. He was still not as experienced as he is now. So, it's just, a, it's another setback, David, where, where you're getting to the point in that time where you were saying, this is becoming a real problem. And I think we were all at that point again. Rangers managed to win, so we were we didn't over-examine it, etc. But I think we were all beginning to feel that he was only one or two more away from being. We need to cut our losses, and unfortunately, the next one is the one for everyone. I think that the, the probably the first time that we all put Alfie firmly on the naughty step.
0: Yes, it was the next one would be at Parkhead. Crucial game for Rangers, we dropped off in the title race and again early, similar to the first one at the end of the season, Scott Brown goes up and tries to wind him up, um, but a contact, it's, it's naughty to say the least. Alfredo reacts and is sent off and this one there was no excuse, it wasn't rescinded. Steven Gerrard afterwards says that he, he's very disappointed in Alfredo, actually says you know we've given him so many chances Rangers are terrific that day and lose one. Now Don't, didn't deserve to with ten men. We were absolutely terrific and should have got something, but didn't. And uh, in the end, it was uh, the, pretty much the end of the the end of the title campaign, really. And I think it would have been over anyway, but uh, that that put the tin lid in it, and he doesn't play then until the last game of the season, he's on the bench Jermaine Defoe comes in and Rangers actually play really well, Scott Arfield uh, on the right side of the attack um, also plays terrifically and Rangers put together a very good run, Defoe's scoring goals and I think there's a legit and genuine question mark about his future at this point Stephen, and I will hold my hands up and say, nah, he's a great player but there's too much hassle with him time to, you know, not cut a loss it's time to make money on the guy. But, firstly, I think that that was the, the, the attitude. And secondly, and we'll talk about this more next week when we discuss the, the following summer. or sorry, the, the summer that would follow, rather. Um, I think that it was a factor in clubs who were looking at him going, nah. And, as we both know, Alfredo uh, inspires such huge loyalty uh, in the fan base. And, in and, and much in the same way as, you know, that you get People who are half glass, you know, glass half empty, glass half full. For some people, that they, do, you know, Alfie can never do anything right, and for other people, Alfie can never do anything wrong. I think most people are in the middle somewhere between those two groups. But at that point, the people who were huge fans of him were saying, a club abroad aren't going to bother with his disciplinary record. Or once they look into it, they'll see that that was rescinded and that wasn't fair. And it's like, no they do look at it and they don't look into it in that much detail they get the stats and they go good goal scorer, uh, get sent off all the time, hot head, lot of straight reds, nah we'll go somewhere else that's how it works um, and it, it definitely devalued them Yeah I think a couple of, couple of
1: points in that first of all that that was the day David I felt truly let down by Alfredo and I think that you know, we had been in a situation where we had defended him. Um, You know, I I would defend Alfredo. And I got in a very public Twitter row with Lee McCulloch over Alfredo because, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks before this moment happened, Kurt Broadfoot had slagged him because of the the 5-0 cup game where he got four. And uh, Broadfoot had, had ended up slagging alfredo for for his is kind of easy i think he said he easily goes down or or whatever it is he had said and mcculloch had defended broadfoot and or made a comment on it and i got and i and i kind of spat with mcculloch saying that you know and basically just defending alfredo no matter what mcculloch probably wasn't being unfair i think he was just saying that you know he was sent off too much but i was very much defending alfredo and he, he can you know uh, what I'm trying to say is, at that point, we would always be making excuses for him and saying, "Ah, well, McKenna kicked him," you know, the the yellow cards were poor, etc. But I think that's the first time where I felt well and truly let down by him, and the first time where well, I would have said, "We can't continue this." You know, that defeat that day, he didn't play in the next four. Um, just suspended twice and then Rangers left him out of two squads um, away to Hearts and then at home to Aberdeen. He got minimal game time, Hibs and Celtic victories at home, and then played at on, as you rightly said, the last day of the season, which I think was more to, I don't know, not not put him in the shop window, but more to, to say to him, you know, you're not completely out of the fold, but you need to learn from this, which I think he did. But I just felt that day at Celtic Park, David, that, that this is the first time that I, I truly said it's time for him to go, it's time for us to cut our losses because he ended the season that day. I, I know we, we came back and we equalised, Ryan Kent scored, etc. And and then we lost a late goal. But we, you know, you go to Parkhead and we need all our players and we need players to be on it. And it's not like it was isolated. This is the thing. It's not like we're saying it's a one-off, this was a continual pattern of him getting sucked in, Brown wound him up and then of course you get the famous, he's getting sent off and Brown's pissing himself laughing, which made it even worse because we all realised then that he'd been sucked in and and not responded, so is it fair to say it's the first time I was heartbroken because that's how it felt, it felt like my favourite player, our favourite guy, you know, the 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 one we all pinned our hopes on it truly let us down, and because he'd been sucked in so much, it was really difficult to deal with. And I think that's the first time I ever said it wouldn't be the last, but it was first certainly that I said it's time for him to go. But I also think it taught him a valuable lesson, you know, to miss the next four sporadic time, um, and he, he did score in the last game of the season. But I think that was a lesson from the management, probably as tough as it could have been that you need to reflect on how you're behaving and not only for yourself, but what it's doing to the team.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned there that, that four-goal haul against Kilmarnock, and that, that was the thing about him, you know, that there's an extraordinary football player in there, and, and every time he was going on these runs, it would be something. And and I think the problem is that, look, we accept that no player can be perfect and players will block their copybooks at times and players will make mistakes, and that is fine. It just everything seemed to come so quickly. And it seemed to be too regularly. If this, the amount of incidents we've talked about had happened over a, a five-year career, it would still be quite a lot for a player, but understandable. <laughs> and I don't think we would have had the same you know, level of... of. But it, it was every two months. And that was the thing. You mentioned the word earlier, time bomb. That was a word I heard so often during this period when people said, he's a time bomb, and you never know when he's going to go off. And more importantly... Um, an ex pro said this to me. He said, Look, telling us right now, if I'm in the, that other dugout, or oh, sorry, that other dressing room, all week we've been saying, You can get to him. He said, Now that might be, you know, people might not like that and might think that it goes against the spirit of the game. He said, But it happens, trust me. And people will be going, We can get at him, wind them up, because <sighs> they'll react. Uh, and I just felt at that point, you know, that it was the first time I. Felt the day after, no, I still think he should go. Um, And the reason for it was was not just, you know, he, he keeps doing this. There was also an element of Stevie that he won't be allowed to change in Scotland because of the referees, because of the opposition players. They're going to, he's, he's a target. He's got a big target on him and it's not going away. It's only going to get worse. And it's to his immense credit, and I think to the credit of someone else who'd come in that, that uh, January Jermaine Defoe and we'll talk about that more next week that he he has managed to do that that's not to say he still doesn't get uh, as I say, referees looking at him slightly differently, that's not to say opposition still don't wind him up, it's not to say that maybe at times he hasn't quite has been as explosive a player because he's been concentrating on tempering it but from where he was that day with all the situation around him to, to be able to have seasons like last season this season I think he deserves an awful lot of credit for that,
1: yeah he does he deserves massive massive credit where we are currently um in alfredo's kind of development when you when you look back on that season, you know it had everything for him explosive in front of goal explosive goals he he scored he was a, the tallies man he was a focal point. And when he didn't play, Rangers really didn't play, it. and I think that's no, really fair absolutely. to say.
0: Absolutely, um, I'm not saying Alfredo that he can't. But he far Rangers better. Oh, if if Alfredo didn't score, then our chances of winning a game were massively reduced. There's there's zero doubt that without, yeah, I don't care what anyone says, Alfredo Morelos was Rangers' most important player by a mile. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And he he was that out ball. He was the special guy who could do something out of nothing. You know, we all knew Kent was young and talented, but the numbers don't lie. Who was the guy that was making the goals, that was scoring the goals, that was winning you the points? The numbers don't lie that season. Um, And I think that there was the feeling that, you know, Defoe had come in again, didn't really work with the two of them together, as, as we know. But even so, Alfie, I think, was... Yeah, it just—it's the fear, isn't it? And I think the gamble was will he mature because he was very young, and he did. Um, and that's not to say there will always be that, but a, a, that flame will be burning um, at the, the heart of his, at the heart of his, his soul. But he has matured, and I think it would be incredibly harsh on anyone to say that he hasn't because I don't believe that it's the case. Again, not to say that he's flawless, not to say that there won't be. Uh, things that we discuss as we move forward in this show that he could have done better or he he, he might look back on and, and regret. But that's just being a human. What you expect to see and hope to see from anybody in any walk of life is learning. And Alfredo's never had a five red card season since, so he did learn, and you've got to give him credit for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Growth. I think yes. that's a perfect word. Um, I think where we would leave this is that and, and as we... Chart his career going, you know, with Rangers I think every single season has been a, a learning post Like, you know, we had the first season where he, he kind of netted 17, 18 goals And he he was on the kind of periphery of being the main man Then he becomes the tallies man, but he goes he's, he's went slightly over disciplinary wise, etc But still carried this Rangers team the season after he goes on a magnificent 30-goal burst to Christmas, I think it is if I'm right, or 20, 25 goals, whatever it was at that point, then get, then get then hits the buffers and hit, hits issues, then we have the championship season. But every single year he's grown, every single year he's kicked back, every single year he's progressed. And I even think, David, that as we tell this story, I don't even think we've got the best of Alfredo Morelos yet, which is the exciting thing for me. I look at him now, look at the pictures of him and everything else, and he's had that criticism, and he's had it throughout, and every time he gets it, he comes back, and he comes back strong, he silences his critics, and he's about to do it yet again. But at the point we leave it at this at the, in this podcast and for this episode, is brilliant talisman, carried the club perfectly, but so many issues hanging over him, how is he going to respond and the truth is and as we know he responds very well and then that it goes up and continues to go up and I just think that for him and everything that he's went through, nothing but admiration for him because when you do listen back to this podcast and see all the hurdles that he's overcome, I think it's remarkable that he's he's produced what he has
0: that will do us then for this week on alfredo's evolution we will of course be back next week you can hear more from me over on heart and hand and you can read more from A. you can hear more from him over on heart and hand he has a wonderful show on heart and hand every week which i urge you all to go check out drops saturday mornings but you can also read more from him at the four lads had a dream blog just type in four lads had a dream into google steven thank you a pleasure as always to look back on one of our favorite players Yeah,
1: undoubtedly we love Alfie Uh, and I've loved talking about it because it makes you realise where he's kind of came through and the obstacles he's overcome, not saying that they're not self-inflicted, we're not wanting to paint that picture but what he's overcome to be where he is now and as we record I still think I'm so excited to see what's coming next for him and I'm so excited as as we go through his journey, he's just a, a wonderful Wonderful, wonderful player. And and we're lucky to have him and we should enjoy him while he's here.
0: I will leave you the, with the words, believe it or not, folks, of a friend of mine who's a Komalnik fan. And uh, he said to me at one point, he says, Do you know, Alfredo Morelos, he said, as a Komalnik fan, I hate his guts and it's because he scores against us, but he's wildly entertaining and our game would be far, far worse off if we didn't have him in it. So that, from an unlikely source, I think says everything. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.